0: Visit OpenBibleNJ.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now
1: enjoy the service. Take your Bibles, if you would, and open up to Exodus chapter 5 and 6. We're going to read from Exodus chapter 6, verses 1 through 13 this morning. We're going to take a look at both Exodus 5 and 6 this morning. I've entitled this message, Who? In Exodus chapter 6, if you would, please, as we take a look at verses 1 through 13. The Bible says, The Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh? For with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty, but by, but by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Cana, the land of their pilgrimage wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel "'Whom the Egyptians kept in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. "'Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, "'and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. "'And I will rid you out of their bondage, "'and I will redeem you with a stretched-out arm and with great judgments. "'And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God.' And ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it to you for an heritage. I am the Lord. And Moses spake so unto the children of Israel. But they hearkened not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Go in, speak unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, that he let the children of Israel go out of his land. And Moses spake before the Lord, saying, Behold, the children of Israel have not hearkened unto me. How then shall Pharaoh hear me, who am of uncircumcised lips? And the Lord spake unto Moses and said unto Aaron, and gave them a charge unto the children of Israel and unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you for the service to this point. And Lord, I pray that your grace would work in and through me. And Lord, that you would do the work in the lives of these, your people that only you can do. Lord, I pray that you would help us this morning to be able to apply biblical principles That we would not only apply these biblical principles, but we would seek after the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that you would help us this morning to recognize you for who you are. And I pray that you will teach us from your word. I love you, Lord. In thy name we pray, amen. Thank you. you, may be seated. There's no getting around the fact that 2020 has been extremely difficult. But the Lord knew about this. We have, we've been having difficulty physically, We've been having difficulty politically. We have been having difficulty in our, our church life because of all that's going on. Um, there have been, because of physical difficulties, there's been contention in the church. Because of political difficulties, there's been contention in the church. Because of 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 this, what we call this, epidemic it's caused many many things and to be honest with you what we have found is it's been exasperated but we know that this is the case and what we found is that life's hard there's no getting around the fact that life's hard from the moment that you exit the birth canal screaming your ever-loving head off till the moment of death we find that life is difficult. Being broke is hard. Becoming wealthy is hard. Choose your heart. Being married is hard. Being divorced is hard. Choose your heart. Winning is hard. Losing is hard. Choose your heart. Doing life on your own is hard. Walking by faith is hard. Choose your heart. See, the Bible tells us that life is hard. In Job chapter 14 and verse 1, the Bible says, Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Look, if you're down, don't read Job to, to be able to lighten your spirits. That's not the book you want to go to. John 16, the Bible says, Jesus says this, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. So in Christ you can have peace. In the world you're going to have tribulation, you're going to have problems, you're going to have hardships, but be of good cheer. Why should I be of good cheer, Jesus? I have overcome the world. See, friends, though life is hard, let's not forget we still have hope. And in Exodus 5 and 6, what we find is that Moses and the people of Israel are having a hard time. All around them is difficulty and hardship and and wreckage. And life is progressively getting more difficult for them. and, and, And when life gets more difficult... What do we do many times? We look to the arm of the flesh. You've got two choices. You can either look to the arm of the flesh or you can look to God. See, remember when life gets more difficult, remember who God is. My my take home for you today is remember who God is among the wreckage when life is progressively getting harder for you. And let's face it, we have mountaintops in our life and we've got valleys in our life. We have good times and we have troubling times. We have times when things progressively seem to get better and then times where things seem to progressively get worse. And what I want to stress to you today is remember who God is among the wreckage. I wanted you to notice as we go through this text the issues that Moses and the, and the people of Israel were confronted with and then how the difficulty is solved. Number one, write this down if you would please. Remember who God is when the pressures are mounting. Remember who God is when the pressures are mounting. Take a look, if you will, back into Exodus chapter 4 and verse uh, 31. Take a look at Exodus chapter 4 and verse 31. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he looked upon their afflictions, they bowed their heads and worshiped. Man, at the end of chapter 4, there was great hope. I mean, there was a great outlook. Moses and Aaron had spoke to the people, and the people, it says, believed. They believed what was said. And what does it say that they did? They worshipped. They were excited. Then reality set in. See, they decided to follow God and the man of God. But now the consequences of their decision Became real. See, it's one thing to make a decision to follow God. It's a whole other thing to deal with the consequences of that. It's one thing to accept Christ as your personal Savior, and that's wonderful. But then there are there's the reality of walking in truth. There's the reality of walking in the light. When you accept Christ as your personal Savior, you if you're uh, if you're truly a, a child of God, you're walking counterculturally. And so we see that these people, they were excited. Yeah, Moses is going to help set us free. We're going to be out from underneath this bondage. We're worshiping God. We're excited about it. And then reality sets in. Life starts to get progressively harder for them. I want you to see how the pressure was mounting. Because you, need, you and I need to remember that when the pressure is mounting, remember who God is. How does pressure mount? We see it right here from the scriptures. First of all, write this down. Disappointment sets in. Take a look at verse 4. Disappointment sets in. And the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye Moses and Aaron, let the people from their work get you unto your burdens? How does does the pressure mount? Disappointment sets in. Moses and Aaron and the elders of the children of Israel went to Pharaoh to tell him that, hey, God told us that you're to let us go. You're to let us go so that we can go worship our God. You know what Pharaoh said? Get back to work. Get back to work. Their authority refused to listen. They had hoped that Pharaoh would let them go, and they had hoped that they would be from out from underneath this bondage. They had hoped that they would be able to worship God freely, but, but their authority said, get back to work. Their authority refused to listen to them, and what they hoped for didn't come through, and so therefore disappointment set in. See, they had a vision of what life would look like for them. And it was not turning out the way they envisioned it. Isn't that just like us? Pressure mounts when we're disappointed. See, we've, we all have a, a, a life that we've envisioned. We all have thought about what life would look like for us, what we hoped our lives would be. But then many times, situations beyond our control take over and we become disappointed because life is not what we thought it would be. See, pressure was mounting because they, what they hoped for didn't come to pass right away. But when pressure's mounting, what are we to do? We are to remember who God is. But secondly, here this morning, pressure was mounting because of disappointment. But secondly, write this down pressure was mounting because decisions made are harmful. Take a look at verses 5 through 13, if you would please, in Exodus chapter 5. Decisions made are harmful. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and ye make them rest from their burdens. And Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and the officers, saying, Ye shall no more give the people straw to make brick as there, for uh, heretofore. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And the tail of the brick which they did make heretofore, ye shall lay upon them. Ye shall not diminish aught thereof, for they be idle. Therefore they cry, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let there more work be laid upon the men that they may labor therein, and let them not regard vain words. And the taskmaster of the people went out, and their officers, and they spake to the people saying, "Thus saith Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go ye, get your straw, Go, go, uh, go ye, get your straw where ye can find it. Get not all of your works shall be diminished. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather the stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters hasted them, saying, Fulfill your works, your daily tasks, as when there was straw. Pressure mounts when decisions made are harmful. Not only did Pharaoh refuse to listen to them and they were disappointed, but he also decided to increase their difficulty. He made life harder on them on purpose, I want you to turn over to Genesis chapter 50, if you will, please. Have you ever had anybody make life harder on you on purpose? Yeah, you say, I go to work every, every, every day. It's called my boss, right? But sometimes there are people in your life, maybe a family member, maybe a co-worker, maybe a neighbor, that makes your life more difficult or harder on purpose, I remember that Joseph had the same thing done to him by his brothers. You know, it's one thing for somebody to make life harder on you that's not related to you. But, you know, it's a whole other thing for someone who's your blood to make a decision towards you that's harmful. That's a whole other level. But Joseph saw God's hand in all of it. Pressure was mounting because of the decision that was made harmful to them. Joseph, if you will, had pressure mounting, but he saw God's hand in it. He remembered who God was. Take a look at Genesis chapter 50, verse 19. And Joseph said unto them, "This was he, his brothers had come to him after their dad had died, and they were afraid that Joseph would retaliate because they made a decision that was harmful to Joseph. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. See, it's true of life, that as you and I live for God and are trying to do what's right, there will be those who will make decisions on purpose. Now listen, there will be those who will make decisions on purpose to harm you. Scripture teaches us this same principle in the New Testament. All those who live godly, the Word of God says, all those who walk in truth, all those who walk in the light, all those who walk in righteousness will suffer persecution. See, the pressure was mounting on Moses, the leader, and on the children of Israel because of a disappointed hope, of a harmful decision. But thirdly, if you will, let us see, because dealings are harsh, Because dealings are harsh. Take a look at verses 14 through 18. And the officers of the children of Israel, which Pharaoh's taskmaster had set over them, were beaten and demanded, Wherefore have ye not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and today, as heretofore? Then the officer of the children of Israel came and cried unto Pharaoh, saying, Wherefore dealest thou thus with thy servants? There is no straw given unto thy servants. And they say to us, Make brick, and behold, thy servants are beaten." But the fault is in thine own people. But he said, ye are idle, ye are idle. Therefore ye say, let us go and do sacrifice to the Lord. Go therefore now and work, for there shall no straw be given you, yet ye shall deliver the tale of bricks. Pressure was mounting because of disappoint, disappointed hope. Pressure was mounting because of harmful decisions. But pressure was mounting because of deal, the dealings were harsh. Because of the harmful decision that Pharaoh made, there was harsh dealings with the Jews. The scripture tells us here that the overseers of the Jews were beaten. Not only were there, there was a couple levels here. There was the, the slave workers, the male Jews that were the slave workers. Then they had Jewish um, uh, overseers to make sure that they were doing the work. And then above them were the were the, overseer, the Egyptian overseers. And what was happening was because the slave workers were not meeting their quota for the day, the Jewish overseers were being beaten for that. The people of God, they beg for relief from the demands that are being made upon them. They're misrepresented. It says in verse 17 that they were idle and it says that they're mistreated. But I'm going to probably assume here this morning that there's probably been one or two people in this audience this morning that have been mistreated or have had somebody deal harshly with you. What does that do to you? I think it does to you what it does to everybody else. It makes you ask why. In verse 15, the Bible says... Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried in the fire, saying, Wherefore, why do you deal with us? Why do you deal with us this way? Why are you doing this to us? See, friends, the pressure is mounting. But when pressure mounts, we've got to remember who God is. We may not always know the reason for others' actions towards us. but it doesn't mean that we cannot look to the God who knows us. So first, I would say to you, when life is hard, when the pressures of life are increasing, when it doesn't seem like there's going to be any relief whatsoever, remember who God is. Secondly, Remember who God is when your obedience seems wasted. Remember who God is when your obedience seems wasted. Take a look at verses 19 through 23, if you would please. And the officers of the children of Israel did see that they were in an evil case. After it was said, Ye shall not minish off from your bricks of your daily task. And they met Moses and Aaron, who stood in the way as they came forth from Pharaoh. And they said unto them, The Lord look upon you and judge, because ye have made our savor to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants. To put a sword in their hand to slay us and Moses returned unto the Lord and said Lord wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people why is it that thou hast sent me for since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name he has done evil to this people neither hast thou delivered thy people at all remember who God is when pressures are mounting and then remember who God is when it seems like your obedience to God is wasted. See, it, it can seem for the believer at times that our obedience to God seems to be futile. It seems to be wasted. You've done right, according to the word of God, you've followed what God's Word has to say, and, and now you start asking yourself: where is God? In Exodus 5.23, that's basically what, what um, Moses is saying. For since I came on the Pharaoh to speak thy name, he hath done evil to this people, neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. Hey, God, where are you? You said that you would do this. You promised me that you would do this. And now all that I'm seeing is continued slavery. Now that all I'm seeing is continued pressure. Now that all I'm seeing is, is uh, a disappointment is, is uh, harmful decisions. Where are you, God? I've done what you've told me to do. But I don't see you doing what you said you would do. Not only that, Moses had been obedient to God, and not only was the pressure mounting from the the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh, but now the pressure is mounting from the people on Moses. When does obedience seem wasted? Put this down, if you would. When those who were for you are now against you. When does obedience seem wasted? When those who were for you are now against you. We find this in, in verses 19 through uh, 21, which we just read. But now take a look at uh, um, Exodus chapter 6, verse 9. Remember in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 31, they believed. There was hope. They'd made a decision to follow God and the man of God. They were excited, but now pressure is mounting. And Moses had been obedient. And obedience seems wasted sometimes when those who are for you are now against you. Verse 9 And Moses spake unto the children of Israel, but they hearkened not. Unto Moses, for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. They had lost heart. They had lost heart. Their physical condition caused them to give up spiritually. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Go in and speak unto, unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, that he let the children of Israel go out of his hand. And Moses spake before the Lord, saying, Behold, the children of Israel have not hearkened unto me. They don't believe me. How then shall Pharaoh hear me, who am of uncircumcised lips? And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge unto the children of Israel and unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. When does obedience seem wasted? When those who were for you are now against you. These were the people that Moses was trying to help. These were the people that required rescue. This this Moses was the person, if you will, that was going to save them, and they were turning on him. You know, one of the hardest things to accept in life is to have those who are, quote, unquote, your family, your brothers and sisters in Christ, walk away from you just because you're doing what the Lord wants you to do. And this is precisely what's happening to Moses. Those he was trying to help. Those he was trying to set free. Those he was trying to teach, instruct, and train. Those he was trying to lead closer to God were the exact same people that were hurting him. What will keep you from giving up in times like these. It's not to look at those who may have walked away from you, who have abandoned you, but to keep your eyes on the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, Paul is speaking here and he says, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. When does obedience seem wasted? When does it seem like you followed the Lord, you've done right, you've walked by faith, pressure is mounting, and now you've been obedient unto God, and when does it seem like it's wasted? When those who were once with you are now against you. take a look at this, fill this out letter B when God seems to have left you it may seem like your obedience is wasted when God seems to have left you Moses had felt that God had left him have you ever felt that way? Feel like God's forsaken you? I know that's not very popular to talk about in church because it makes people uncomfortable. We can't say yes to that. We shouldn't say yes to that. Because the Bible says, for I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I said, have you ever felt that way? I didn't say it was a reality. I just said, have you ever felt that way? Yes, yes, yes. If I could put all four, yes, I have. That may make you feel uncomfortable, but it's the truth. That doesn't mean that the feeling is a reality. That just means that the feeling was there. I think any Christian that's ever walked through dark valleys at times has questioned, God, are you really there? Is there, is a a God, if you're there, please make yourself known. I'm not even quite sure now. It's been so dark for so long that... There is an e- even is a God, but I know what your word says, but my feelings are telling me something different. Take a look at Exodus chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil treated this people? Why is it that you've sent me? Why, why did you even send me, God? What's the point? They're not listening anyway. It doesn't seem like you're doing anything. And so now, I've been obedient unto you, and it seems like all that my obedience has gotten has gotten me headaches. I would have much rather stayed on the backside of the desert with those sheep and lived out my life. It would have been much easier, God. For since I came to Pharaoh, verse 23, to speak in his name, he hath done evil to this people, neither hast thou delivered the people at all. God, you have not done what you said you were going to do. I think that we've all been there. We've obediently walked with the Lord. We've done what's right. And it seems, have you ever, done, the, more it, the more you do what's right, the more wrong happens. I want you to understand something this morning. That even people in Scripture that we would consider great Christians have had this struggle as well. I, I'm gonna, I want you to turn over to the book of Jeremiah. Because Jeremiah is a great example of this. God told Jeremiah, this is basically, I'm going to sum up really quickly the book of Jeremiah for you and what God told Jeremiah to do. God told Jeremiah that if he spoke the words that God told him, that Jeremiah would be used to build up nations and tear them down. Now, Jeremiah does exactly what God tells him to do. But almost every single time Jeremiah opens up his mouth, he is beaten and he's imprisoned. Finally, when Jeremiah faithfully says what God told him to do, he is beaten naked and bloodied and thrown into a ditch. Now, I want you to hear Jeremiah's prayer. Jeremiah chapter 20, verses 7 and 8. This is very uncomfortable for us church people. We don't like to talk about this type of stuff, but it's in scripture to be able to teach us a lesson about our obedience to is never wasted. Chapter 20, verses 7 and 8. O Lord, thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. For since I spake, I cried out. I cried violence and spoil, because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me, and a a derision daily. You know what Jeremiah is basically saying here? He's saying, Jeremiah is saying to God, God, you tricked me, you lied to me. I can tell everybody's like, oh man, that doesn't, mm. it's kind of uncomfortable. I said, all that you told me to say, and the only thing that's happened is that I've suffered physically. I've been made a laughing stock. I've been mocked. I've been obedient unto you, but it seems like my obedience is wasted. And by the end of the book, Jeremiah and the people of Israel are led into captivity. But despite it all, Jeremiah was obedient. What's the point? Jeremiah did not see the end result, if you will, the final result of his obedience. But God did honor his word to Jeremiah and his obedience was not wasted. The point is we are not obedient for immediate results. We are obedient by faith knowing that God will do what he says he will do even when pressures are mounting. See, we're to walk by obedient faith and remember who God is. My friends, remember who God is when pressure is mounting. And when obedience seems wasted. But I think the logical question is who's God? Who's God? Take a look, if you will, in Exodus chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Number three, who's God? Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go, and a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Cana, The land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians kept in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will rid you out of their bondage. I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments and I will take you to me for a people and I will be your, uh, be a God. I will be to you a God and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God which bringeth you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. And I will give it you for an heritage. I am the Lord. There are multiple times in this passage of Scripture right here that it gives to us who the Lord is. But multiple times it's mentioned, first of all, letter A, write this down. He says, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. We see that in verse 2. We see in a couple other verses here. You know what he's saying? I am the one true God. I am the one that, you, that is sure in existence. I am the one that has a relationship with you to my covenant people. I am the Lord. Who is God? He's the one true God. I am God Almighty. See, what, what, he's, what he's saying to Moses here and what he's saying to us this morning is that he's getting ready to reveal himself on a new level to Moses. And listen, friends, when pressures are mounting and you remember who God is, what happens during the pressure times, what happens when you're in the pressure cooker, if you remember to look to the Lord, remember who he is, he will reveal himself to you in a new way. You'll see him in a different light. But take a look in verse 4 who is Lord, I am a promise-making God. Verse 4, And I have also established my covenant with them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20, Paul writes this. He says, For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen, unto the glory of God by us. He is a promise-making God. Hey, friends, listen. Our medical experts have made us a whole lot of promises this past year. Remember, this was only supposed to be a few weeks, you know. Our politicians have made us a whole lot of promises this year. We, we've had maybe your bosses, your family members make a lot of promises. But let me tell you something. We're going to see something about the promise-making God that is not true about any other person. But let me just say this. When God makes a promise, bank on it. Amen. Verse 5, who is God? Well, when the pressures are mounting, remember who God is. He is, a, uh, he is the Lord of lords. He is a promise-making God. Uh, letter C, I am a listening God. I am a listening God. Take a look at verse 5, if you would. And I have also heard the groanings of the children of Israel who the Egyptians kept in bondage. You know what I find interesting? A family member may not listen to you. A co-worker may not listen to you. Your boss may not listen to you in your difficult situation, but guess what? God's listening. Pharaoh would not listen to the cry of the Jews. See, God's different than anybody else. God hears when his people call upon him. God hears your cry God knows that you need to be dependent upon him. And when you lift up your voice, when you remember who he is, when pressures are mounting, he hears. Letter D, who is God? I am a remembering God. Take a look at verse 5. It says I, and I have also heard the groanings of the children of Israel whom the Egyptians kept in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. It's not that anything slipped the mind of God. When the Bible talks about, when, when Scripture says God remembers, it means, this is what it means, it means that God will act on what he said he would do. So it's not like, oh, I forgot about this covenant I had and these people are in this really bad situation. So when it seems like your obedience is wasted, when you feel like God has forsaken you, just remember that God is remembering his covenant promise with you that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Let me tell you something. Your feelings are a liar. I to you. It's the truth of God's word that we depend upon. You say, well, how can I get my feelings to line up with the truth of God's word? One of the ways that I found, and, and maybe you've got a better way, but one of the ways that I found is I just keep going back to the book and saying, God, this is what your word says. Lord, I, 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 don't, I can't doubt your word. I, I don't feel like you're here with me. I don't feel like you've been guiding me, but I know what your word says. And I keep claiming his word. See, when we have a remembering God, when we understand that it's basically saying that he will act upon what he has said he would do, that's comforting for the child of God. Take a look. He said, who is God? Verse 6, wherefore, saying to the children of Israel, I am the Lord, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I am a burden-lifting God. I am a burden-lifting God. The most powerful leader in the known world at that time was going to have his rule of brutality broken by God. God was going to lift the burdens. As Pharaoh was increasing the burdens upon the children of Israel, God was going to lift those burdens from children of Israel. And just as you and I would stretch out our arm over a dinner table to pick up the salt shaker, God is going to stretch out his arm over Egypt and shake it up and show Pharaoh that he is the Lord. See, God is a burden-lifting God because he's powerful, because he's sovereign, because he's mighty. He is the God who rules the world. And since he rules the world, my friend, he can lift your burden. Who is God? Take a look at verse 6. I am a redeeming God. The last part of it. I will rid you out of their bondage and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. God will redeem his people from slavery. But that's not the only reason he... Save his people. He's redeeming his people so that they will be his people. God is calling them out to call them in. Just like he has called us out, he has redeemed us from sin. He has called us out of the world and called us into a relationship with him. That's what the picture of the cross is. God is calling us out to call us in. That we would no longer serve ourselves, but we would serve the one true God. Amen. What a beautiful picture of salvation. God has redeemed you and me from sin. But that's not the only reason he redeemed you. He redeemed you so that you could be his child. Who is God? Take a look at verse 7. He says, I am a loving God. Verse 7 And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. He's a loving God. He wants a people for himself. Does not the Bible say, for God so loved the world? When pressures are mounting, we need to remember who God is. When obedience seems wasted, we need to remember who God is. You say, well, who is God, Pastor? Lastly, uh, letter H, I am a promise-keeping God. It's one thing to be a promise-maker. It's a whole other thing to be a promise-keeper. That's the difference between our God and everybody else. In verse 8, it says, I will bring you in unto the land. He didn't say, I hope to bring you into the land. I'm thinking about bringing you into the land. It would be really nice if I could bring you into the land. No, he says, I will bring you into the land. You know what God's saying? I'm going to give you victory. Amen. Folks, though life is hard, we've got hope. Remember, Exodus is just not a bunch of historical narrative for us to be able to look at and say, oh, well, that's nice. Exodus is our story. And if God brought victory to the children of Israel when pressures were mounting in their life, guess what? He will bring victory to you. Remember who God is among the wreckage. Remember who God is among the wreckage. When pressures are mounting, remember who He is. When obedience seems wasted, remember who He is. Why? Because our God is almighty. Because our God is a promise-making God. Because our God is a listening God. Because our God is a remembering God. Because our God is a burden-lifting God. Because our God is a redeeming God. Because our God is a loving God. Because our God is a promise-keeping God. Remember who God is among the wreckage though the pressure that's mounting may not stop, you can still have victory. Though the obedience that you are acting out in faith, you don't seem to see the end result, you can still have victory. How is that? Because there's a New Testament principle. When our minds are stayed on God when we trust in God he gives a peace that it's unexplainable even when pressures are mounting and obedience seems wasted remember who God is hey folks thank you so much for watching today I hope that it was a blessing and encouragement to you if you your personal Savior, and you accepted Him today into your life, and, and you put your faith in Him, I would like to send you, free of charge, two things. First, I'd like to send you this book, Done. is written by a friend of mine, What Other Religions Don't Tell You About the Bible, and then secondly, a brand new Bible, just like this one, I'd like to send to you. So please, do me a favor. First, I'd like to hear about your commitment to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Fill out the electronic connection card right below, click the link. When you fill that out, put your address in and I will be happy to send this book done in this brand new Bible, free of charge to you. God bless you and I'm looking forward to hearing from you.
0: Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.